0: Hey everybody, my name is Alex, and you're listening to Lunchbox Radio. So, I put off reviewing what I'm going to review this episode, because I knew what I was in for. Um, So, this one will probably run a little bit shorter, because my heart, as well as most other people's hearts, cannot take this thing for very long so i just want to get straight into it um because it is late at night and i've got a lot to do tomorrow um speaking personally but the thing we'll be reviewing this week is in this corner of the world For those of you who haven't seen, in this corner of the world, um, the next most like-it thing that I can probably say that it's like is Grave of the Fireflies. And if you've seen both of them, you know that if you've seen both of them, there's a giant hole in your heart that demonstrates the badness of all humanity upon other humanity. And it's just, they're both movies about war and about what war does to people who are on the sidelines and people who are not lucky enough to be able to protect themselves from that war. They are both heartbreaking. They are both devastating. Devastating. But the difference between a film like In This Corner of the World, which came out, I believe, last year, and Grave of the Fireflies, other than the lovely back-of-the-box quote that involves involves Ebert from the world-famous Now Dead movie critic, who used that movie to justify the existence of anime to his entire cohort? Um, is that *Grave of the Fireflies* does nothing to pull the viewer along? It it asks you to wallow in the pure misery of the act of war upon an entire city of people. It asks you to feel the pain and sorrow and sadness of the world it, cre- it doesn't create but retells. In this corner of the world, it's different. Grave of the Fireflies, you go in going knowing exactly what will happen and knowing the story and knowing that no one will make it out alive. In this corner of the world, you go in knowing, you go into the movie knowing what happens along the way, but you are greeted by something different. You're greeted by happiness, you're greeted by joy, you're greeted by love. You're greeted by all of the emotions that Every war movie tells you fade away in the face of pain and sadness and the horrors of war. But they never fade away. They they stay right there along with you. And it is up to each person to keep those things alive in themselves until they can freely feel them without interruption again. And that day may never come. And you have to know that that day may never come. You have to know that everyone you see around you won't live to see tomorrow. But you have to keep smiling, because if you don't, then you'll fade away not because of war, but because of the true tragedy of war, which is tragedy. Nothing is... in life can be all bad or all good, but war seems like it is almost entirely all bad. But in this movie you've they do a good job of demonstrating everything that people go through. That live that truly living in a war torn country is that truly living in a Constantly bombarded and firebombed and destroyed country is. You see yes, you see the rations that they talk about in Grave of the Fireflies, but you see them joking, you see family life and you see the truly kind of beautiful moments that people share with each other that are life. And that makes the highs that much higher and that makes the lows in this movie that much lower. It is, in so many words, of tragic happiness that they've let you experience throughout the entire film, it's almost amazing in the way that it knows exactly what it's doing. And for those of you just to flip out of my weird po- depressing poetry moment for a second here for those of you who don't know who is behind this movie, it's the same person who's uh, hilariously behind shows like or the one big show you'll probably know him from, is Black Lagoon. And Black Lagoon is a totally different show, but it has a knack for displaying the kind of unapologetic, hopeless darkness that happens to people who slip between the cracks and become outlaws. It's a very different show, but it has the same attention to detail, it has the same moments of defined emotional beats without feeling... needing, without feeling that it's depending on you to fill in the gaps, and it's depending on pop culture to fill in the gaps, it, that's something that it that Black Lagoon shares with this film, with In This Corner of the World, is that In This Corner of the World knows that you will feel the character's emotions, whether or not it puts in the references that everyone knows, whether or not it makes the character's react to each other the way everybody understands. And it... does such a beautiful job of storytelling and of... emotionality and... making you... feel with the characters. And... making you not care that it is... manipulating you. Because... What it's doing feels less like manipulation because of the story, because the subject of the story, and more like storytelling because it is telling a story that you feel like you know it occurred, but you would never hear because it is the story of people who lost. It is the story of the of the other side. It is the story of the people who were the nation of the people who attacked America and lost. It is tragic because they never chose to be the loser. They never chose to compete in the... Olympic level war that happened. Their country did. And they, trying to be proud of their country, tried to support people that they knew and tried and went and to earn a paycheck. They didn't buy into the emperor or his decrees about the evil Americans. They simply bought into living, and they bought into the hatred they felt for the planes that dropped firebombs on their houses, and the planes that killed their neighbors, and the planes that destroyed their families. It's hard to imagine for most people what That kind of loss is, and what that, and what losing people in a way that takes them well before they were supposed to go is. And all throughout the movie, you feel this sense of calm. And part of that is because of the calm, collected. Inner voice of the main character. But another part of that is because the main character has a thing she attached to, a activity she loves to do. And she and that activity is drawing. She loves to draw. And this movie takes its beauty from its art style and has moments of complete transformation and There is, and I have to issue a spoiler warning here. So if you plan on seeing this movie, it is out the day that this podcast comes out on March 15th on Netflix. If you have Netflix, I encourage you to sit and let this movie just pump itself into you, and it will. You, you you may be thrown off by the voice acting at first but as time goes on you begin to understand why the american voices sound the way they do i didn't listen i didn't listen to the japanese dub but i'm sure the japanese dub has a similar cadence to it but the main character who is a woman who as a young girl falls in love with a young, befriends a homeless girl in her grandma's attic who eats her watermelon and falls in love with a young boy whose parents are drunk and abusive after the loss of his older brother, is forced to ma- is forced to marry a young man she's never met before. Or at least you're led to believe she never met before or she doesn't remember meeting before. And that young man takes her to his home to his hometown and his parents' home and she is sheltered and unprepared. But the thing she depends on, the thing she leans on, is the thing is something I've always leaned on as a person. And I'm crying talking about this. She leans on art. She leans on drawing, on illustrations, on drawing the world around her, and using her hand to convey her emotions and her imagination onto a page, day by day, hour by hour. It's what brings her calm. It's what brings her happiness. It's what centers her. And then that disappeared from her life. In the flash of a bomb that takes her young niece away from her, her hand also disappears. She can no longer draw with her dominant hand. She is left with the crude scribbling she can maybe come up with with her left hand. And that To me, as someone who draws every day, as someone who retreats into his sketchbook app of choice to figure out his life and become okay with the world again, broke me. I broke down. I cried. Um, Probably about as hard as I cried when I was in the middle of watching Grave of Fireflies, and everything went bad. And from that moment, everything goes bad in this corner of the world for a long time. And it is a long time until the movie gives you or the characters a reason to laugh again. But that's the thing. That's the best thing about this movie. If there is something that is truly positive in this movie, it's that it gives You, the viewer, and all of the characters, reasons to laugh again. It gives you a pause, the unmitigated darkness that it paints forever. Even in the last moments when you witness a young girl's mother dying from the atomic blast fallout. That young girl finds the main character and her husband and becomes kind of their surrogate young daughter/slash child. And there's something. There's something amazing about movies that manage to convey the fact that. Everything will not be okay, but you will be okay, as long as you keep putting one foot in front of the other, as long as you keep waking up day after day, as long as you survive. And this movie, its goal is not, its goal is not happiness, that is something that happens to the characters as they move through the world just as sadness and pain and fear and destruction happens to their lives as well. Its goal is the survival of the characters. It is, at first, a basic need, but by the end, it is a necessity. These characters don't want to be... happy, they want to be alive. And that's what happens. In the... And... But... In this movie, there are small, small tragedies that... make you pause and feel them for a moment. The character, the... I forget her name, but there's a character who you meet in the first moments of the movie as a homeless young girl who steals food from the much more, from the not well-off, but much wealthier family whose attic she lives in. Well, the movie's going on and on and on, and the our main character, the girl who, was, who married away into a, different city in a different town, a different town outside of a different city, gets lost in the city. And she wanders into the red light district. And she's all of a sudden surrounded by the red gates of the brothels that all the sailors are frequenting. And she's sitting there and she's lost and frustrated. Nobody quite knows how to get out of it, how to get out of the red light district, so nobody can give her instructions on how on how to herself. And, uh, y- and a young prostitute approaches her and says, you draw, you draw beautifully. Could you draw something for me? And you seem lost. And she does the, charming little Charlie Brown head tilt that she always does, squints her eyes and says, Yes, I'm lost. The young girl, the young prostitute woman helps her find her way out of out of the red light district and asks her to draw something for her. And the, our main character says... Sure, anything, thank you so much. And She draws a bunch of different food items, tries to draw ice cream with wafers on top, and realizes she'd never seen it in person, so she can't. And in that moment, based on what the prostitute asks the main character to draw, you realize this is that little girl who you saw in the first moments of the movie. The movie makes... Endlessly clear. And there's a sadness there. There's a beautiful, kind of, constant sadness to that moment. Because you realize that little girl survived, but to what end? And by the end of the movie, you realize that there doesn't need to be a positive end. The goal is not happiness. The goal is not always completion or positive. Sometimes the only positive that people have left is survival. And it's kind of an astonishing movie to finish because it makes sure you understand that. It makes sure that you understand that what happened was horrible on all sides. But what the worst thing was is that survival was in question for millions of people. And it, and Grave of the Fireflies had this had the same effect. It had this effect of letting you know that this big evil attack on Pearl Harbor was met with such fury and such rage and such atrocities of war that yes, they bought, yes they attacked us. Yes, they killed hundreds of thousands of soldiers and people, but. A wrong doesn't deserve another wrong. Violence only begets more violence. And we ended... We were dragged into a war that we ended with one of the most violent acts of all time. So violent, in fact, that it created a world that vowed to never repeat it if it could find it within its... Soul within its heart, never to do it again. And there's something, there's something important to that. There's something that we need to acknowledge. There, there's something that we will need to answer for at some point. And I'm glad that there are movies like grave as a fireflies like in this corner of the world that make you feel the human cost to the kinds of things we just learn about in textbooks, the kinds of things that are data points on an eighth grade on an eighth grade history exam or a twelfth grade AP world world something course because that stuff is so dry and so devoid of emotions, and it, it mentions the kinds of things that are covered in movies like this for, those, for feature length in the span of a sentence in the middle of a paragraph, and it gives you a grainy black-and-white photo, um, often that obscures what truly happened to the people just out of frame of it. If you've ever looked not very deeply, you will find a picture of a monk setting himself on fire. Um, that is a deeply, deeply, deeply disturbing photo. It's also a deeply, deeply deeply effective one and famous print because it is in that moment that monk affecting the world in such a violent and undeniable way that it couldn't be swept under the rug it couldn't be omitted from the history books it couldn't be forgotten forgotten the cause may be forgotten, but the sentiment and the unbelievable determination of that person would never be forgotten and still never forgotten. And that is astounding. But the thing that is lost is not every person is capable of that kind of sacrifice to leave that kind of mark on the world. So how do you understand what those people felt? How do you understand what happened to those people? Is it any less important? Grave as a firefly, and In This Corner of the World, both loudly and proudly say, no, it's not any less important. These people exist because they are alive, and that doesn't need any justification, and these people's lives aren't any less valuable. Their stories are, are not only any less valuable, but they are, in fact, more valuable, because you've seen that picture of that monk ten, twenty times, maybe two dozen times, but you've never heard the story of a young woman who ma- who married herself a wave to help a family that barely welcomed her and mocked her at every turn, only to get caught up in the, on the losing end of the, of the second greatest war in the history of the world. You've never heard about the young man who comes back to his kindergarten or sister only to die of starvation and loneliness in a place no one ever saw in their life and buried his sister in an unmarked grave only to die on the side of the road himself. Those stories are important because the second that we forget or we ignore those stories, it's the second we are doomed to allow ourselves to say that the price of war is not too high. The price of the killing of other people because of a principle that we do not agree with or a Standard that we do not hold, or something we do not want to acknowledge in ourselves or others, is okay. Acts of violence are never okay. Regardless of how they happen, regardless of why they happen, they are never okay. And there's a line that the main character keeps saying. She says, we will never surrender to violence. And she breaks down towards the end of the movie, because after the, after the atom bomb is dropped on Hiroshima and Nagasaki, Japan surrenders. She can't understand why. She, she at that point, has lost her hand her almost will to live, her youngest niece, her young niece, all of these things, and she was prepared to lose, her, and you find out that at that point she was prepared to lose her left hand, her left foot, her left leg, her left arm, her right foot, her right leg. She was... She had, at that point, let the pain and the unfairness consume her and was determined to make the other people back, the aggressors in the war, namely us, the Americans, back down because of what they have done to her. The way they've turned her life inside out. But she never got the chance because she has no power. She is of the wife of a f- farmer, or the wife, the wife of a- the wife of a farming family just outside of a small city that half of which burned to the ground, and nobody cares about her. What They make a very clear point in this movie that the Emperor gives a decree, and they all respect the decree, but the decree comes in over an old radio. The Emperor didn't go to everyone's houses. He didn't send somebody. It goes out over an old radio. The Emperor was making decisions... About what he thought was right, not what others would prefer or we would, or what they thought about us or what we thought about them. He single handedly sacrificed tens of thousands of lives at least, and he lost. That pain is not fake, and that pain is not that pain is not unimportant. It's important that people see that there were everyday people behind a country that attacked other countries, a country that has been the aggressor. That Is still to this day very, very ungracious towards outsiders and towards outsiders in their own hemisphere. But that's not everybody who lives in those in that in Japan, by a long shot. As with. Countries like America, there are all kinds of people everywhere. There are kind people, there are hateful people, there are cruel people. It's wrong to judge the actions of one and say that they would be the actions of of all. Um, but on a less Plotting note. I don't know why I've been so plotting for this entire episode. It's kind of disturbing. I'm sorry. I'm going to do a shorter one because I have to edit this and then go to bed and I got to get up and do something. Um, but I hope you like this episode. I know that the past plotting monologue was a lot and was a lot of emotion and a lot of talking about badness but I can't recommend seeing In This Corner of the World enough. The dub and the sub are both available through Netflix, so if you have that subscription, definitely check it out. If you don't, it's also available in both forms, although I think I bought the dub um, on iTunes, so definitely check it out there. It's, It's worth your time. It's... and... The grave of the fireflies. It also worth your time, but this, but in this corner of the world, like I said, like I said before, lift the veil of darkness every once in a while, and lets in just enough light for you to keep going, and for you to feel like you're not on an endless ride of tragedy and pain, to let you know that you know these people come out of this a lie. Because they do. and um, So definitely check it out. I can't recommend it enough. Um, I finally broke down and decided I was going to do it for this podcast when I decided I was going to watch it. After Zach Birchie of Anime News Network said it is possibly one of the better movies, one of the best anime movies he's ever seen. I think at least one of the better movie anime movies he's ever seen. Um, so yeah, go check this thing out. If you really like it, you can get it on iTunes. I think there's a Blu-ray available of it at some point. I vaguely remember seeing that pop up in an Amazon recommendation email saying... Um, but I hope you like this episode. Um, you can... Like, and subscribe, and check out all the other stuff I do in the, uh, you can check out all the other stuff I do in the link in the description underneath the podcast art for this episode. Um, you can also, if you like this episode, please subscribe to an iTunes, give me a five star rating that helps other people find this podcast, and share it with your friends say like hey want to hear a guy talk about a really depressing cartoon movie about war it's it's, it's this weird podcast um but yeah go go check out in this corner of the world it's worth your time it's worth every inch of it um until monday the preview show um i have been alex and you've been listening to lunchbox radio radio i don't know why i said it that way